I want to take a moment and have a real heart-to-heart with you. If you're able, place your hand over your heart right now. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a pre-born baby. Their heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. We've partnered with Preborn because we need to help these precious babies. Every day, Preborn's network of clinics rescues 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter that doubles a baby's chances at life. By six weeks, eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a little baby is able to suck his or her thumb. For just $28, you can be the difference between the life or death of a child. And if you're a business owner, perhaps you can consider a larger donation for a write-off because we know the government isn't working on saving babies. A donation of 1000 2000 20000 All gifts are tax-deductible and will reach eternity. Get involved today to donate just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby that's pound 250 say the keyword baby or donate securely at preborn.com slash verdict that's preborn.com slash verdict when you have health insurance it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs that can be a lot of money But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million dollars. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Welcome. It is a special fun edition of Verdict with Senator Ted Cruz. It is midnight after the State of the Union. Senator, what a speech it was and a rewrite of history from the president. Everything's great in the country. The union is strong. Inflation really doesn't matter. We've got a secure border and we don't even have to talk about the balloon or China. It was an interesting speech. Well, interesting is one word for it. Uh, I just right. came from the House floor, uh, went over to the Fox studio, uh, sat down with Sean Hannity, uh, talked with him about the speech, and I'm now uh, back in our studio recording this podcast for tomorrow morning. Um, and I'll tell you, my reactions to the speech, I, I thought it was divisive. I thought it was angry. I thought it was out of touch. And I thought it was profoundly dishonest. Uh, There were portions of it where he was mumbling. It was very difficult to understand what he was saying. There were other portions where he just yelled randomly out of nowhere. Uh, At times, he reminded me like a crotchety old man on his porch screaming at the kids, Get off my lawn! Um, It was remarkable. Look, more than two-thirds of Americans believe we're on the wrong track. We just had an election in November where the American people elected a Republican majority in the House. There have been enormous problems with the Biden policy agenda. He could have given a speech trying to recognize that. Remember Bill Clinton after Congress flipped where he gave a speech and he said, said the era of big government is over. And he, he tried to pivot to the center. 
this speech was not that. This speech was doubling down on the same failed left-wing agenda. And, you know, I talked about the speech being dishonest. There were lots of portions of it that I thought were dishonest, but three really stood out. Uh, Number one, when Biden had a portion of the speech talking about fentanyl, and he said, pass my plan to secure the border. And literally half the chamber broke out in laughter because it was so profoundly dishonest. Joe Biden and the Democrats made political decisions at the beginning of his presidency to open up the border. It was a conscious political decision. And as a consequence of that, we have had the highest rate of illegal immigration in the history of our country. Over 5.4 million people have crossed illegally under Joe Biden. Last year, we had over 100,000 deaths from overdoses, most of those from Chinese fentanyl flooding across Biden's open border. And yet, he accepted no responsibility for it. He instead claims he has a plan to secure the border, which is not in fact, a plan to secure the border, as we've talked about on prior pods. It's a plan to actually expedite, to speed up illegal aliens and coyotes crossing the border. And and that, I thought, in the chamber was side-splittingly funny. But to the American people, anyone paying attention, that was clearly not true. You, you got to go back to his first day in office, and let's just remind people of what Joe Biden did to create the 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 onslaught of not just illegal immigrants coming across the border, but the fentanyl coming across the border, he halted the border wall construction. Yep. He paused deportations. This is the first day in office. He suspended the Remain in Mexico basically rule. He proposed amnesty for millions on that first day in office, and he ordered ICE to limit arrests and deportations. And then he comes out today and is like, "Oh, we're going to fight fentanyl." He's the biggest drug dealer in America right now because he's the one that's opened the border, which has allowed the drugs to come in. No, that's exactly right. And Joe Biden is also personally responsible for flooding billions of dollars to the Mexican drug cartels. They are making massive amounts of money. Roughly half their revenue comes from drug trafficking. Roughly half their revenue comes from human trafficking. And if you are a narco terrorist, Joe Biden becoming president is the best thing that ever happened to your bottom line because business is booming. And again, he didn't accept any of that. He didn't even accept that there was a crisis. He just flat out lied. Another example, when he talked late in his speech and it took nearly an hour for him to get to it. But when he finally got to China and he said, we're standing up for China and and America's stronger than ever before and our enemies are weaker It was utterly absurd. I mean, we just finished last week the world watching as a Chinese spy balloon for over a week hovered over U.S. Army bases, secure installation, committing espionage, and Biden weakly and impotently wrung his hands. He did nothing. And then finally, after it had completed its mission, he shot it down once the mission was over, once our security had been compromised. And the result of that is she and every other enemy of the world took the measure of the commander-in-chief, and they concluded he was weak. He was not willing to defend U.S. airspace. 
I think that was actually one of the major objectives of the incursion. I think the Chinese knew the balloon would be spotted. It was visible to the naked eye. They knew it would be spotted. And yet, they also knew Biden would be so weak he wouldn't do anything about it, or they suspected it, and he confirmed that. And so for him to say, we've shown the world we're tough on China, mind you, Joe Biden is also one of the largest customers for Chinese slave labor buying electric vehicles and parts. In the last Congress, when I forced a vote on the floor of the Senate to ban the federal government from purchasing electric vehicles or batteries made with slave labor in Chinese concentration camps, every Democrat but Joe Manchin voted no. So that was another profoundly dishonest point. And I'll tell you a third one that struck me as incredibly dishonest is when he leaned forward and says, Republicans want to sunset Social Security and Medicare. Yeah, that was one of the most awkward moments of the entire State of the Union, and I want to dive into that. But before we do that, let me remind our listeners about Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile is an incredible company that I want you to check out. It is the only conservative cell phone company in the U.S., the only Christian cell phone company in the U.S. And when you pay your bill every month to Patriot Mobile for a cell phone that you have right now, When you pay that bill, you're actually giving back to conservative causes and organizations that you support. We're talking about the First and the Second Amendment. We're talking about protecting unborn children. We're talking about helping with adoptions. Patriot Mobile actually is fighting for what you believe in. So when you make a phone call, when you send a text, you're standing up for what you believe in right now. We talk about big tech all the time. Now it's time for us to vote with our dollars and support companies that support what we believe in. Check out Patriot Mobile. If you have a small business, they have an entire section of their business just for small businesses. And it's easy to switch. You get to keep your same cell phone number. Many times you can keep your same cell phone. Plus, they have the same exact coverage you have right now. So go online to patriotmobile.com slash verdict. Make the switch, patriotmobile.com slash verdict, or call them 878-PATRIOT. Use the promo code VERDICT, and you'll say big. 878-PATRIOT. Senator, you just mentioned one of the weirdest moments of the night from from the president, Uh, and, and it was one of those moments where I think everybody's sitting there going, are you kidding me? Go into detail of what it was like being on the floor of the House when he said it. Well, so I was sitting uh, in in the second row behind the cabinet, uh, just to the left of the president from his from his view, and he leans forward and when he says that Republicans want to sunset Social Security and Medicare again, the result was spontaneous laughter. It was half the chamber literally laughing. Now, look, at some level, this is not new. Every election cycle, Democrats demagogue on Social Security and Medicare. And, and they always say Republicans want to throw granny off the cliff. And, and the hook for this, by the way, his predicate for what, what was a brazen lie was one proposal that came out from one single senator. So in the last cycle, Rick Scott put out an 11-point plan for what he wanted to do with a Republican majority. Now, Rick Scott is a freshman senator. He's entitled to have his views. He's a good friend. He's a good, he's a good man. Of those 11 points, I agreed with most of them. There were two in particular that I think were a mistake and that I disagree with, and I think most Republicans disagree with, and my guess is even Rick disagrees with it on further contemplation. One of the 11 that he had is he said every American should pay some taxes. Now, that might be right in the most abstract of senses, uh, 
But right now, more than 50% of Americans don't pay income taxes. And so what that was quickly characterized as is saying that Rick Scott wants to raise taxes on 50% of Americans. I believe emphatically that Republicans should never, ever, ever be in the business of raising taxes. We should cut people's taxes. So I think that was a mistake for him to propose that. The second thing that he included in his list of 11 is he said every federal program should be sunset. And listen, he's approaching this like the former governor of Florida, which he is, where there are lots of state programs where you have a sunset review, and in the sunset review, you examine the programs and you make them better. And, and I understand why, from a state governor's perspective, that can make sense. The reality is that Social Security and Medicare are different, and they are I, – I think they are vital bulwarks of our country. I think we've made solemn promises to seniors that we need to honor, and – Republicans are committed, all of us, including Rick Scott, to saving, preserving, strengthening, making sure that Social Security and Medicare are there for seniors going forward. All of this Biden knows. So he's literally taking one bullet point in one policy paper put out by a single senator, a freshman senator, and he's claiming that is the position of Republicans in the entire Congress. It's absurd. But by the way, Biden did this all over the country. He campaigned using this bullet point to, to lie and deceive people. And then he went on and said, listen, we need to stand with seniors. And I'll tell you, when he said that, I think he thought he was giving a Democrat talking point. I stood up and applauded. Yes, we need to stand with seniors. And I got to tell you, there is literally no group in America who has been hurt more in the past two years than seniors. You look at seniors facing skyrocketing inflation. The, you, you know, you're a senior, you're retired, you're, you're on a fixed income. The cost of rent has gone up. The cost of food has gone up. The cost of electricity has gone up. The, the, the cost of everything has gone up. And at the same time, you've seen your retirement drop 20 to 30%. That is a double whammy where I, I do not believe it is hyperbole to say no president has inflicted more damage on seniors in two years than Joe Biden. So it is remarkable chutzpah for him to falsely claim Republicans want to sunset Social Security and Medicare. Look, and you, that was and you a and lie. I both know this. Seniors don't have 10 percent for the big guy 401ks like he does. So. It's a lot harder for them to recover when they lose money compared to Joe Biden. Look, you know, my mom right now is living on Social Security and she's retired. She's 88 years old and she pays her expenses. And, you know, she doesn't get cable because cable's too expensive. And it's, you know, it's tough. It's tough being a, a senior citizen as their son. I, I help support her as, as, you know, a good son. I, if you're able to do that, you ought to do that. But but. It is tough being a senior, and, and particularly when you have a budget. I mean, she is meticulous in her budget because she wants to make ends meet, and she has limited means to do it. And when the price of everything goes through the roof and your income doesn't match it, that really, really hurts seniors. And, and this was a speech designed not to be honest, not to be candid, not to be direct about what's happening. But instead, it was a in-your-face partisan speech. It was a screw you to everyone on the other side, everyone that voted on the other side. By the way, one particularly nasty thing was in the course of the speech, 
when Biden recognized Paul Pelosi, and, and that was a gracious thing to do. You know, Paul was violently assaulted in his home. That was horrific. No one should face political violence, somebody hitting you in the head with a hammer. But then you look at the language that Biden used. He blamed that. He said on the big lie on, on, on 2020, he wanted to blame that, take that act of physical violence and blame it on every Trump voter in America. And, and that, there was no was, connection to that. We know from the guy they caught. Uh, look, he was a hippie nudist in Northern California. And the guy's a nut. He's a lunatic. But Biden couldn't resist using it as a political knife to try to attack and not just attack. Listen, if he wants to attack Republicans, that's fine. But when he was doing that, he wasn't attacking Republicans. He was attacking the voters. He was going after the people and he was trying to use that to attack all of the voters who disagree with him. And, and th that's just a strange strategy for a state of the union to tell half the country, go jump in a lake. Yeah, and it, it was certainly a moment for him that he wanted to make there. I'd like to take a moment and have a real heart to heart with you. If you're able right now, place your hand over your heart. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a preborn baby. Their heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. And that's why we've partnered with Preborn, because we need to help these precious babies. Every day, Preborn's networks of clinics rescue 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter. That doubles a baby's chances at life. And by six weeks, the eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her own thumb. And for just $28, you could be the difference between life or death of a child. All gifts are tax deductible, and I want you to donate. All you have to do is just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby. You can also donate securely at preborn.com slash verdict. That's preborn.com slash verdict or pound 250 and say the keyword baby. Hey, Ben Ferguson here. And if you're an accredited investor, U.S. oil and gas should be a part of your investment portfolio. I want you to visit LabradorEnergy.com. Beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns when you invest with Labrador Energy, you have access to potential tax benefits, and you may be able to structure your investment to offset active or passive income. According to many sources, U.S. oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax-advantaged income investments available. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. Labrador's core executive team has more than 190 years of combined oil and gas experience and has drilled thousands of oil and gas wells. They are dedicated to mitigating risk while providing accredited investors with sound returns. So visit LabradorEnergy.com. American energy independence is crucial for our national security and future prosperity. And Labrador Energy is leading the charge to make that a reality. Invest in U.S. oil and gas Today. Learn more at LabradorEnergy.com. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information. 
He also uh, said something else that was weird, trying, I think, to relate to the American people. And a lot of people have called this out uh, as basically another big lie where he gets away with it. He said this about uh, his, his wife, implying that she teaches full time. We made the best educated, best paid. We became the best educated, best paid nation in the world. But the rest of the world's caught up. It's caught up. Jill, my wife, who teaches full time, has an expression. I hope I get it right, kid. Any nation that out-educates us is going to out-compete us. Any nation out-educates is going to out-compete us. Now, that may be a, a, a fair point, right? That any, a, any nation that out-educates us is going to outpace us. But th- the Internet exploded, Senator. You were obviously on the floor of the House then. They're going, wait, when did she become a full-time teacher? How can you just make up things like this when she's the first lady? You can see her schedule. It's clear the schedule that she keeps. She's not a full-time teacher. And, and there were even teachers that were outraged by this idea that you can just make stuff up as you go. Well, look, I'm going to leave Jill Biden out of it, but I will say I agree with the principle that that any nation that out-educates us will will out-compete us. And you want to talk about the failures of the Biden administration? Joe Biden and the Democrats are responsible for shutting schools down all over this country in many places for more than a year. And the result has hurt kids more than anything in our lifetime, and in particular, It has hurt low-income kids, African-American kids, Hispanic kids. We've seen the greatest learning losses ever recorded. And, And this was done at the behest of the teacher union bosses who had schools shut down. For tens of millions of kids, for more than a year, schools were shut down. And, and I'll point out, this is also an administration that viciously, passionately, opposes school choice, opposes charter schools, does everything they can to leave kids trapped in failing schools. So when he stands up and talks about education, I agree. And his policies are hurting education. There's another portion where he was talking about the tax code. Yeah. And he said, he said the tax code is fundamentally unfair. And I began applauding heartily. I was one of the few from the Republican side applauding at that. But I think the tax code is terrible. It's why I think we should abolish the IRS and pass a simple flat tax. And he had all of this rhetoric demagoguing big business, big companies. Here's one of the interesting ironies. And all the Democrats are standing up and hooting and hollering and cheering. You know, all those big corporations, they are overwhelmingly supporting Democrats. You know, he was demagoguing big pharma. Big Pharma is so much in bed with the Democrats that they snuggle and nibble on Joe Biden's ear at night. Yeah, and, and, and he knows it, but it was one of those moments where he probably winked and nodded to them. Hey, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slap you around a little bit during the State of the Union, but don't worry. I'm the guy that's going to keep getting you paid through vaccine mandates and things like that. Yeah, I'm going to make it illegal not to buy your product. And in fact, I'm going to try to fire people who don't buy your product. And all right, we got to take it aside because you and I have not done a podcast since the ridiculous Grammys. Yes. Did, did you see <laughs> the horrific, Satan-worshipping, bizarre, like it is, to my knowledge, the first time there's been a full-on Satan-celebrating ritual on network TV? And, and not only that, but you actually had CBS tweeting out, we can't wait to worship. They've now taken that tweet down because the backlash... 
as they were getting ready for a moment that clearly they knew was coming with a Satan worshiping. And then at the very end, it was amazing because I, it couldn't have been, it couldn't have better illustrated the world that we live in right now, Senator, because it said brought to you by Pfizer when they went to the break. So, Ben, you and I have been doing this too long together because you knew where I was going. That was yeah. the connection. So, so they have that they have a a transgender biological male who's a transgender female gyrating half naked in a cage with male and female strippers outside the cage. That that they have a a a man who identifies as non-binary. Uh, gyrating with with red devil devil horns on, while demons pull him down, with fire in the air as this full on Lucifer celebrating event. And my, by the way, you and I didn't watch the Grammys. I'm assuming you didn't. I certainly no, I didn't. did not. I did not. And full disclosure, I, I did not watch that. I, I and, and, but you know what? Our kids listen to the garbage that's being produced by these people, and these are the glitterati. These are the entertainers. It was an illustration of how corrupt, how fundamentally evil. I I tweeted out just watching this video. This is evil. But then to end with, sponsored by Pfizer. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I couldn't help but tweeting. Well, you know, Pfizer really is taking truth and advertising a little bit far on this. <laughs> yeah, they, and, they, they, and, it, it was so accurate of the of the culture uh, at war that is happening right now in America. And the only and I want to ask you a question, Ben. Yeah. So, so I, I was there in the chamber. I didn't watch the speech on TV. When Biden finished his rhetoric attacking Big Pharma, did they break in and say <laughs> this speech brought to you by Pfizer? <laughs> Because they really they, should have. They, they, they should have had the naked devil guy dancing in front of Biden and then say brought to you by Pfizer. And all they the were, Democrats hooting and hollering, if they hate big business so much, ask yourself, why does almost every big business player support the Democrats, contribute to the Democrats? Why are almost all of their boards of directors consisting of Democrats? Why are almost all their CEOs Democrats? It is this speech tonight was all about smoke and mirrors and deception. We're going to use rhetoric that say we believe in one thing while our policies and actions are the opposite. Yeah. The one thing about the Grammys, I got to go back to that for a moment because, you know, they, they had this cameo from Fat Satan. Uh, it was a catastrophe in the ratings. This is the only good news. It was a just 12.4 million viewers watch the Grammys. So I do think that's a good a, a good point to point out here that the more extreme they go, the more America seems to be waking up to just how far gone we are and how extreme the left has become. And that may be the only good news that comes out of these moments here. But I, by the I, way, I, w I will confess. So I, I don't know if you happen to see it, uh, but, you know, James Corden, you know, the late night comedy host. Oh, yeah. So he did a whole riff on the Grammys, and in particular, he had about three minutes of, of pounding the hell out of me because I tweeted, this is evil about that. And and it, it was, so so I, like, my, my team in the office saw it, and I was like, okay, of course, late night comedy is defending the, like, devil worship on mainstream TV, and then every single person on my staff was falling on the ground, holding their ribs, laughing, saying this is the funniest damn thing I've ever heard because it has me sitting on my on on my couch going okay I must tweet on this and and it and so I ended up 
of course, <laughs> embodying what they were mocking me for, tweeting on it and saying, okay, late night comedy is finally funny, but I've told all my staff, all right, I'm pissed off that y'all think this is so damn funny. I don't understand why, but okay, I'll own it. That's hilarious. Hey, you know what? Sometimes, like you said, you just got to own that moment. I want to go back to something you said earlier, and you said that tonight's speech was an extremely partisan, kind of bitter and angry speech. And yes. and you, we were also talking about just some of the kind of anger and the screaming. I, I want to play, this was an eight-second moment, and, and, it, and it, I think, totally encompasses this speech of basically what it was. Name me a world leader who changed places with Xi Jinping. Name me one. Name me one. I mean, he was angry. Now, the reason why I play that is, forget what he was saying for a moment. I was watching this, and about 15 minutes in, I literally said out loud, well, it's official. He is definitely running for re-election because it was a campaign speech that I watched tonight with a campaign theme that you kept noticing was coming up of, let's finish what we started Let's get the job done. They were test marketing the campaign theme of, of Joe Biden. This was, this, I think, the soft launch of, of officially his presidential campaign 2.0. Well, it could be. I'll say a couple of things. Number one, that little portion of name someone who would change places with Xi Jinping. I, I'll tell you, we were all looking at each other and scratching our heads because he was yelling, name one, name one. And he was like, he was a deranged man yelling. He was yelling loud. And... It's a weird point. It's like, um, well, Kim Jong-un, uh, Vladimir Putin, uh, Nicolas Maduro. Like, every tin-pot dictator in the world would love to be Xi Jinping. Like, like it's a weird—I I don't understand what his point was. That, that, that was actually—I don't know if he read it wrong or if it's a bizarrely inconceived— if you're an oppressive dictator— Name someone who would like to be the world's most oppressive dictator with 1.3 billion people and a massive economy and a military that is challenging and the greatest geopolitical threat to the United States of America for the next hundred years. It's like, uh, Joe, there are lots of people who would like to be that. Yeah. And you are hopelessly naive if you think, and by the way, Joe, you have said for years, China is our friend. No, they're not our friend. So so it was a, that was one of the stranger moments because we were looking at each other saying, what is this point? We, we don't get this. You, you, um, mentioned, you mentioned his obsession with China and saying that they are not somebody that we should have worried about. And let's just go back to 2001. Listen to Joe Biden from 2001 to present obsessing over China. Before I play that for you, I want to talk to you about our friends at Augusta Precious Metals. If you've been saving for a long time and you need to make sure you can protect your assets and your retirement, then you should talk to our friends at Augusta Precious Metals about how to protect your money with a gold IRA. I, I want to tell you about a company that not only do I trust, but I actually use them. They're different because they tell you if a gold IRA isn't your answer. They give you the facts. There is not pressure. Augusta Precious Metals is all about protecting IRAs and 401ks in this crazy economy that we're dealing with right now. And it's incredibly important for you if you're close to retirement to because there's no time to make up losses. If you've saved $100,000 or more, then you should take a look at their free guide and sign up for their web conference. I've done the web conference and it was incredible. 
It is filled with economic insight about gold IRAs, 401k, and how you can have peace of mind with retirement. Call Augusta Precious Metals, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877, the number four, gold IRA. Or visit Augusta Precious Metals with an S.com. Say I sent you and they'll pay your fees for up to 10 years. That's Augusta Precious Metals at 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Senator, here is Biden, who spent literally decades, this goes back to 2001, uh, knowing and bowing to China. In fact, he even said he hoped for their expansion, saying it was good for America. China is not our enemy. I believe then, and I'm even more convinced now, that a rising China is an incredibly positive development for not only China, but the United States and the rest of the world. It is in our self-interest that China continue to prosper. China is a great nation, and we should hope for the continued expansion. We want to see China rise. A rising China can be a significant asset for the region and the world. China is going to eat our lunch? Come on, man. They're not bad folks, folks, but guess what? They're not a they're, they're not, they're competition for us. China is not our problem. We can help them with some of their problems. China is not a problem. The idea that China is going to eat our lunch is bizarre. And so what are we what are we worried about? We talk about China as our competitor. We should be helping. Do you think in retrospect that you were naive about China? No. Do you think in retrospect you were naive about China? May have been the best question ever asked by CNN. And of course, he says no. Look, he he wasn't naive. Those quotes read like someone who's been paid millions of dollars from the Chinese communist government. And we know that Hunter Biden was paid millions of dollars. We know that the Penn Biden Center was paid millions of dollars. We know that Joe Biden has made a career of crawling in bed with the Chinese communist government. And so it's not naive. Naive doesn't begin to capture it. It, it, It's more fundamentally corrupt than that. It it is the Democrat Party today is structurally pro-China. We've talked about this before. All of their major stakeholders are pro-China. Big business, big tech, big Hollywood, big universities, all of them are in bed with China. And so the Democrat Party is in bed with China too. All right, I make I want to make two final points before we wrap up. Number one, we talked about this on the last pod. Every senator is entitled to bring one guest to the State of the Union. As I mentioned in Monday's pod, I brought Lieutenant Levi Beard as my guest. Now, Lieutenant Beard has been in, in the Navy for 10 years. Great guys from Fort Worth originally. Um, I had dinner with him, invited him to the, the Senate dining room, and he had dinner with the other, uh, other senators uh, and me. And Levi, the Biden administration is trying to fire him because he's declined to take the COVID vaccine. And Levi brought litigation to stop that, and a federal court issued an injunction preventing the Biden administration from firing him. But they're not done. The Biden Department of Defense is litigating against Levi, trying to collect about $200,000 from him. They're trying to collect about $75,000 of a bonus they paid for him because he had accepted and was in training to be a division head in the Navy. And then they're also trying to force him to repay the cost of postgraduate school at the Naval War College 
the reason they're go at, going after him for both of those is the Navy will not let him be a division head. Why? Because he hasn't gotten the COVID vaccine. So even though Congress has repealed the mandate, the Biden Department of Defense doesn't care. They are still enforcing it and severely restricting servicemen and women that make the decision. In Levi's case, he put in an application for a sincere religious objection. They denied him. They don't care. And you've literally got a 10-year sailor who they're trying in litigation to get $200,000 out of him to extort it from him. And I will say, number one, at the dinner in, in the Senate dining room, I introduced him to a number of my fellow colleagues. Now, some of them have been strong voices against the vaccine mandate in the military, but other them, others of them, I introduced him to several Democrats. I introduced him to uh, some of the Republicans who have not been willing to stand against the military vaccine mandate. And it was striking the reactions. Look, I, I enjoyed introducing him to people who agree with us, but I have to admit I enjoyed even more introducing him to senators who are on the other side because I would introduce him, say he was in the Navy, and they're like, oh, thank you for serving. It's great. And I'd tell that story. And you would see it would vary. Some of them, the blood would shoot out of their face and they'd like run away. <laughs> Others would look at, at him and listen and, and they'd hear his story. And I'm hoping that at least a couple of them in that room, having met him, having met a real human being, you know, Levi and I, Levi and I were talking about how people think in terms of memories. We think in terms of stories, the way our mind works they can now put a face to the name, a face to the problem. I hope it makes a difference. And it was striking to me in the entire course of this speech, Biden did not say a word about the, th the thousands or even tens of thousands of soldiers and sailors and airmen and Marines and Coast Guardsmen that he fired because of his abusive vaccine mandate. And, and so I, I hope others focus on Levi's story and the story of the other servicemen and women that have been screwed by this administration it was striking yeah, to me he wouldn't say a word about it it is shocking that he left that and many other issues just completely disappeared from him including school choice uh covid learning losses critical race theory uh the issue of israel did not come up tonight nope. at all anti-semitism did not come up at all tonight asian americans on, and anti-asian hate crimes which which was something they used to talk about didn't come up and certainly Nothing came up tonight about his mishandling of classified documents. He did not mention Iran tonight. He did not. You mention know what also TikTok didn't happen tonight either. You know what also didn't happen. Kevin McCarthy didn't ostentatiously rip the speech into pieces behind him, because yeah. Kevin McCarthy actually demonstrated some class, unlike Nancy Pelosi, who demonstrated just complete contempt, not just for Donald Trump, but for the presidency. And and I thought that was a sharp contrast. Now I got to point out. There is one really important issue that I know that, that our, our loyal listeners will remember, and it's a really significant issue, which is in Monday's pod, you and I both made predictions about how long the State of the Union address would be. And in Monday's pod, I predicted that it would be one minute, and uh, one hour and 21 minutes. And you came in, I think, with like, was it 42 minutes? It was 40-something. 
I, what was it, Diaz? Can we go back? I, 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 re, I don't remember what I said, but it was under you, like not enough that I was price, price is riding you. I want to be yep. clear about that. So I was an hour and 21 minutes, and you were down in the 40s. Well, the official count, according to C-SPAN, was one hour, 12 minutes, and 41 seconds, which means that I was eight minutes off. Uh, you were eight minutes over. That means you're automatically disqualified, right? No, 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 no. This is not prices, right? <laughs> this is who was closest. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm just going to say, and, and, and it, was, it, it was 11 minutes longer than last year's speech. And, you know, when you predicted that it would be in the 40-minute range, I have to admit I laughed on Monday. And, and I think I have sat on the House floor, I believe, for 10 of these now. And, and so my, I, I think my reaction is just not my first rodeo, but I am wondering what we wagered. What do I win? Uh, I, bec- I, I guess we could go with it. I will. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'll have to think about this. I haven't decided yet, but I, I will make sure it's a good one. And I'll come back to you on that. Cause I know if I get, let you decide it's going to hurt. <laughs> All right, very good. I, 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 I'll just take the, the, the vindication of having predicted correctly. You won, I lost. I'll take my lashing, Senator. Thank you for that. Thank you for reminding the audience of that one. <laughs> I have one last bonus question, 30 seconds or less, because this is just something everybody, I've always wanted to know, and I think others have. How do you guys decide where the hell you're going to seat get seated at the State of the Union? How does that work? What's the protocol there? So it's a great question. It's actually, it's utterly random. So... When you come in, we gather in the Senate chamber. Um, oh, like, I guess the speech begins at 9. I think we gather about 8.20, and about 8.30 we walk over. So we all, all the senators walk in a line across the Capitol. The Senate chamber's on one side of the Capitol. The House chamber's on the other. So we all walk in a line. We walk kind of in between tons of reporters and press that are snapping pictures. So it's formal-ish. I mean, it's not like a parade but it's it's typically we're walking two by two often uh for whatever reason often you try to talk with someone from the opposing party it's not always the case but like walking over to this one i was talking to dick blumenthal from connecticut and he and i have served on committees together and we actually get along pretty well even though we disagree on a lot of issues but we were we were talking and and walking along and then when you walk in so one of the things the house does is it reserves pretty much all of the seats in the front. So the front, front rows are the cabinet, and then also on the left side is the Supreme Court and, and the Joint Chiefs. Um, behind the cabinet, the very next seats, they reserve for the Senate. And I have to admit, I'm actually a little amazed that the House, given the tensions between the House and the Senate, I'm not sure why they're, they're so nice to give us the best seats of the House, but they always do. And so the front seats are reserved for senators, and there are, um, I guess, a hundred of them that have little signs that say reserved for a senator. But when you come in, it's literally first come, first serve. So you just walk in, and they've got a couple of assistants that are pointing you, oh, there are a couple of seats there, a couple of seats there. And you just go in randomly. The only pe- senators that have assigned seats are the leaders in both parties. So Mitch McConnell, Chuck Schumer, sort of the top five leadership in both parties have the front center rows uh, on both sides. But beyond that, you sit wherever you want in the reserve seats uh, for senators. And so I was, I guess, two rows behind the cabinet um, just because that was the seat was that was open. And so that's where I sat.
There you go. See, we learn something new every night. Sender, always a pleasure. Don't forget, everybody. All right, all right. Hold, hold, hold on. I got to tell a story. Yeah. Um, State of the Union, I think it's 2014. So second one I've been to, Obama State of the Union. And I'm sitting next to Lindsey Graham. And Louis Gohmert in the house comes up to me, and Louis is a dear friend. And, and Louis's talking to me, and he's talking to me. And Lindsey and I are both sitting down, and Louis's standing there in the aisle. He hadn't gotten a seat, but he's talking, he's talking, he's talking. And they're getting ready to start. And, and Louis looks around, and he's like, oh, crap, I, I don't have a seat. Where do I go sit? And Lindsey says, Louis, Louis, there's a seat right up there next to the podium. Go sit up there. He said, you will be famous. And, and I laughed. I said, Louis, you got to do it. Go sit up there. You will be immortal. You'll be incarcerated, but you will be immortal. <laughs> and like then, a fraternity dare right now. And then, so this was 2014 because it was right after Nelson Mandela's funeral in December of 2013. And it, I don't know if you remember, this was a while ago, but at Mandela's funeral, there was a bizarre instance of this guy that stood up there and pretended to be a deaf interpreter. Yeah, and oh, he wasn't. He just he, he just figured his way in there. And he wasn't doing sign language. He was just making random gestures and got on global television pretending to be a deaf interpreter. So I told Louie, I said, Louie, go up there, and when Obama begins his speech, just start faking sign language. It will be, you will go down in the history books. And God love, God love Louie. He had the sense not to take my advice, not to take Lindsay's advice. And, 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 doesn't so he, have a, and doesn't have a mug shot because of the evening. There you so go. Every, everybody won. That's awesome. Senator, it's always a pleasure. As we said, everybody, it's late at night, right after the State of the Union. We will see you guys back here. Uh, on Friday morning, don't forget, subscribe to the podcast so you get all three of them every week. They are free. Please write us that five-star review so we can reach more people uh, in the country. It, it helps with ratings on the charts so more people can find this podcast. And we'll see you back here on Friday. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Hannah Storm and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.